I'm Joanne Wilson, and this is Positively Gotham Gal. Small, meaningful conversations with women entrepreneurs about their approach to life, business, and everything in between. Varesha Foro is the founder and president of Code to Inspire the first coding school for girls in Afghanistan. She received her bachelor's degree in computer science from Herat University and later a master's degree from Technical University of Berlin in Germany. Her passion is to empower young women from Afghanistan by improving their technical literacy and also helping them get employed. So let's talk about your history because, you know, I was very taken with what you've done, where you are here today. So let's go back to... Growing up, mm-hmm. I was born as an Afghan refugee in Iran during the Soviet invasion to Afghanistan. So my parents left Afghanistan very early eighties. Um, they left everything behind, like everybody else, that they leave their hometown because of the war. Um, and was and their it? Own did safety. they? And did you leave? Like, did they leave? Like in a heartbeat, or did they leave in like? Okay, we got to get out of here. The combination of both of them. So when my when I ask my parents kind of like the story and what happened, um, so my mom was like, um, "Yeah, we saw that like there, that's like the village that my father come from." In one day, um, when they bombard the village, my father just lost twenty member of his families on that day. And then when my father was re- really involved in a lot of political uh, movements, so that was the time that they felt the threats and they had to leave. Right, they so, knew. Yes. They knew then, they had to get out. Yes, my mom left first uh, with the three kids that time, uh, left everything behind, and then went to Iran border. For and how the did people. they get out? So um, my mom said that, like, the pack packing everything happened once uh, like very quickly and fast so we just like took the very necessity stuff and I my mom said that like uh, one of her very close family members um, with the horse they actually uh, passed uh, the, the villages and then when the, they went they went to uh, the border and then at the border there were some people waiting for them in Iran um, in a very small city near to Afghanistan border so um she was the only family member at that time who left Afghanistan. So her father and every family member still were in Afghanistan. Got it. And was it hard to get across the border or they were expecting them to come across the border? Yeah, definitely it was difficult because still there were some of the um, presence of uh, the Soviet soldiers in some of the areas. So you had to take some ways that um, just like sneaky going. Right, to move they around. Don't, exactly. Yes, so eventually your whole family got over to Iran. Yes, and then my dad, my uncles, and then my grandfathers, they all joined them later in Iran. And you were born over there. Yes. All right. And so how long were you there until what age? So um, I was in Iran until high school, so about 16 years old. Um, I finished my high school in Iran, and then we moved to Afghanistan. So, you know, that's an interesting thing. Like, here you are, you know nothing of Afghanistan. You're living with your family, who they left Afghanistan because they were pushed out because, you know, of an uprising, and they put their roots in a very new country. You're 16 years old, which is like the peak of teenagedom. And you return to Afghanistan, a country that, of course, I'm sure you heard about around the kitchen table your entire life, but your experience was always in Iran. 
Right, right, yeah, definitely. So how was that? Um, it's it's an interesting um, question because, uh, yes, I was born there. I made friends. I uh, studied there. I speak the language um, the way that Iranians speak, so with the Iranian accent. And um, definitely the only idea I had from Afghanistan, either watching news where they were always showing, oh, it's like bombarding, it's war. And then some of the very nice pictures from my mom um, when she was in Afghanistan going to school, women were more liberated and um, very good pictures. So that was like a very two different perspective I had from Afghanistan. The day that we actually moved to Herat, um, which is a city that my parents are from, it's in west of Afghanistan, very near to Iran border. So I remember that we packed everything, we put it in a big truck, and we took a car to go to the border. So from Iran, it was very, everything was normal. I mean, I was definitely crying all the way because right. I really didn't want to leave. Um, I had a dream to go to university, um, pursue a degree. That time, I really wanted to be a lawyer. Um, but then now I said, like, now I can't do any of them. And I'm going to a place that I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, so once we arrived to the border, um, I remember that it was a very, uh, it was November. So we actually left Iran uh, on my birthday. And when it's my birthday, I always uh, feel that strange feeling of transitioning. Um, so it was November and it was a very uh, windy day, very dusty. Um, so we... Uh, we, we left the car, we had to show our identifications to pass the border. So we stand in the line and I saw a lot of other families who were waiting like us um, in the line and there were no sign of greens. It was just like a very bare land with one building and people are waiting and there's this car and family members. But um, one thing that I always like to tell people is that when I put my step in Afghanistan land, um, I felt so... Well, relieved. I felt so good. Like all of a sudden, a comfort came to me that I belong to this place. I'm not in Iran that now people can mock me because I'm Afghan, because um, they look down to Afghans and I will be discriminated uh, because of where I'm from. Now I belong to this place and no one can um, treat me differently. So that was like a comfort came to me. And then when um, we, we put everything again in the car to go to Herat. Um, it took for us maybe six to five hours to get to the city. So I remember that, first of all, the road was very bumpy and unpaved. So we had a lot of difficulties uh, in a very packed car. And uh, once it was getting dark, we were getting near to the city. And I remember I asked my dad, um, so where, when are we going to get to the actual city? <laughs> and my dad looked at me and I'm like, well, by the way, you're in the middle of the city. It's the center of the city. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that because it was a total dark city. Um, we, ha I, we could see very small lanterns outside shops, but there were no sign of electricity and nothing. Um, and then... The next day when I woke up, um, we didn't have healthy pipeline waters. We had to take water from the well. So that was like a first experience I had. We didn't have electricity. The electricity was only for three hours. So that was Afghanistan that I went. And I've never thought that I will face a situation like that. So you went from a very, um, I guess, more westernized city um, um, and then crossing back a city that really hadn't got up to speed. 
Exactly, with the city that had a very, very suffering from a very even few basic infrastructure. And what was the and how? Why then did your parents say, "Okay, let's go back. Things are good now," or was there a reason in particular? So um, after the fall of Taliban, when the um, United States invaded in Afghanistan, and then um, so it's kind of like as a twist of the story. We again had like another country who came to Afghanistan, but that the other side, there were a lot of international communities who came to Afghanistan to to support and help Afghanistan um, post-Taliban. So um, my father uh, went back to Afghanistan to see the situation. He got a job in the government and he was very involved with with actually people's Afghans who were abroad and wanted to come to Afghanistan. Um, So during the time that he was, he came to Iran and he said, he thinks that the situation is safe enough for us to go um, and um, it's the time for us to go back to our country and um, and be part of the process of building the country. Um, so that was one reason that my dad felt safe. And then he also was like, well, some part of the family is in Iran, uh, some part are in Afghanistan. It's time that we become united and all live together. So uh, that's why we went to Afghanistan at the end of 2002. And you are the youngest of your siblings? I'm in the middle, so uh-huh. I have eight brothers and sisters, and I'm the fifth one. And so your older siblings went with you as well? Yes, everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And so here you're 16, so now you're back in school in a very different environment. Um, and how long did you stay there? So in Afghanistan, um, when we went there, I applied for to, to go to the university, and I accepted to the computer science faculty in Herat. So I got my bachelor's in computer science faculty because I was performing very good in school, and I was one of the very first mentors to teach Java programming. Um, I um, took an exam for a scholarship, and among 100 applicants, um, two, 25 people passed that exam that I was one of them. And then I went to Germany to get my master's in computer science. And when you were in school, and in, in, you went to school in Afghanistan as a computer science major, yes. were you one of how many women and men in that class? So uh, we have about we had about probably fifty to sixty guys in the class, and we were about ten girls. Ten girls, and in general, in the overall school, was it fifty fifty women and men going to school there? No, it's not like that. Um, I mean. In Afghanistan, I mean, definitely the education was one of the sectors that suffered a lot because of the decades of war and destructions and certainly what the presence of Taliban. So during the Taliban regime, there were only 900,000 students going to school with 0% women or girls going to school. Wow. So when the Taliban left... Uh, we technically starts from zero. Um, so the time that I was at school, um, I could see that there is in big cities, of course, a huge kind of like movement towards um, supporting women to go to school and universities. But definitely it wasn't 50-50. There's a still, um, if we can look at the numbers, there's a still um, men are more than women in any educational institutes, universities or schools. And is, do you still feel that did the Taliban presence literally just leave or is it still felt in regards to religion and what women are supposed to be doing? Uh, oh. Well, um, 
we can say that like the physical number of a person to be related to a Taliban group, they decreased, although there is still a Taliban presence in the south and east of Afghanistan, in some part of the north, you'll see um, that there is still a lot of different groups related to Taliban. But the mentality that they um, left behind, still you can see that even though after 15 years that the Taliban left, there are people who still think like them. Sometimes you see people that they wear suits, they look very modern, but they do have the mentality of Taliban. They don't want women to be educated. They don't want women to to know their rights and be financially independent. So we still do have that mindset in the country. Interesting. And so then you went to Germany to go get your master's. Right. And where in Germany were you? Berlin. Okay, which was probably like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I've been Berlin, I've been so many times. I mean, that is a completely... Um, capitalist, um, booming, um, tech city, and also in the arts and the food and everything. I mean, that city is just transforming on a daily basis. So how was that when you got there? I mean, after having those other experiences? I love it. I love Berlin. Still, I want to go back and spend some time there. Um, I love the vibe of like people are being more like creative. It's very like live and energetic. Um, and also probably it's it's a funny reason, but I love the weather. So I don't like sun that much and I love and prefer rainy, dark weather. So because it's always... Um, it is kind of like that. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. gloomy. I love it. Yeah, it is. Berlin is completely rainy and dark. It is one of those things and it's super cold in the winter. Yes, I love cold weather. <laughs> that's why. And yeah, I love everything about Berlin. So that's one thing that I, when I went there and when I studied, especially being in a different educational environment where you are very free to research, there's a lot of libraries and you can go to classes. So that was a very exciting um, time for me. And were you able to go? So and so then you got your master's. Right. And you returned to Afghanistan. Yes. So after my master's, when I went back to Afghanistan, uh, I was a computer science professor in a university. So I taught for three years in the computer science faculty. Oh, very interesting. And so um, I'm sure that a lot of women reached out to you in terms of mentorship and recruitment. So um, the time that I was teaching as a professor in computer science faculty, um, I, I I could see that there were a lot of girls compared to the time that I was studying are more interested now into computer science. Like this field of study now became more popular in the city. There are more girls that they want to come. Um, but then again, um, I could see that the girls still are very shy to participate and to be more engaged. So that was a problem that uh, I could see when I was a student and I still could see when I was a professor in the university. And so... You were professor for three years, and then you got to... United States. And what made you get to the United States, and how did you get here? So I came uh, to the United States for the first time uh, with an exchange program for one month. Um, that time, my friend and I, we had a very small software company in Afghanistan. Um, so we came by a program called BPs to see um, different kind of like tech companies exchange thoughts. Um, during the journey, I met a lot of uh, different people and some of them, they were like, how we can help you in Afghanistan? And 
then we offered how about uh, opening internet uh, or media labs for the girls in public schools. Um, and then that's how we started, when I went back to Afghanistan, working on this project. Uh, and then because we established it as a U.S. Um, uh, non-for-profit organizations, uh, either of my friends or me should come to the United States to help the organizations. And that's how I ended up coming here. And... Um but you're, you know, you've been here now for how long? Uh, I came here again on my birthday, November 4th, 2012. <laughs> There's something about that birthday. I know. You, you move on your birthday. <laughs> so you've been here since 2012, but you started this nonprofit organization when you went back to Afghanistan. Yes, the first non-for-profit, my former non-for-profit. Ah, okay. So your former non-for-profit was still sort of in the same area. Yes, but it was mainly a very basic digital literacy program, um, just like helping the girls uh, be online and like learn how to use computers. Got it. And then you got to the United States in 2012, but you can't go back now. Uh, no, I, I'm just like waiting for my immigration status. Right. So talk a little about how you got here and the next nonprofit that you have built, that you've built here, to make an impact back in your country. Sure. Um, so um, I stayed with my former non-for-profit with about two years. But um, at the end, I was thinking that like my background is computer science coding and my passion is coding and technology. What should I do um, that would be more into uh, technology and coding? And that's how when I left my former non-for-profit for six months, I was in transition. I didn't have any job. I was kind of like thinking, what should I do? Um, um, and then did a lot, did some research about the area. And then finally, I was like, yes, maybe a coding school for girls in Afghanistan. And that's how um, on January 2015, I founded Code to Inspire, where we opened first coding school for girls in Afghanistan. And the thought is, is also that you've talked to me, and I remember when we talked last time, you talked about how difficult it was for women to get hired. That they, no matter that they're the equals to their male counterparts in school, it's when they get out, they can't get jobs. Right. So definitely there were some um, kind of like um, ideas in my mind, the challenges that the women are facing. That was the thing that I that really stuck with me when we spoke. These women who are completely equals to their male counterparts, but they can't get the jobs. So if without a job, you know, they get the education. Hallelujah. But if you can't get a job, you can't do anything. Right. Yes. So majority of the girls who graduate from computer science, there's no job opportunity in a technology field or talking coding. Uh, and the reason is that first, if you look at Herat, the city I'm from, um, it's the second largest city, but still there is very few opportunities for um, coding. There are not a lot of companies who can hire employees a lot. Um, and then there are more opportunities in Kabul, which is a capital. But um, looking at Afghanistan as a country, which is a still a very male-dominated culture, when you look at companies hiring, they prefer to hire the men. There's two reasons. One is first... They think that the women are not capable of uh, writing codes. They think that a women code is a broken thing and it's not going to work. And the men code better, which is definitely not true. And then, <laughs> um, and then the other aspect is that, unfortunately, because um, the guys... Um, 
have more opportunities when they go out, they, uh, they stay at friends' house at night, they work on projects outside. Um, they are more mobile than the girls. So they have more opportunities to kind of like uh, work on projects and they show when they show their resumes, the companies look, oh, like you did this, this. And then when the girls show the resumes, just like say graduated from computer science. So like you are like, oh, like this person has experience, but she doesn't have and are the girls not mobile? Are they not allowed to, you know, go where they want to go when they want to go? That's a that, that's definitely the the most important obstacles in front of them. So if you want to imagine you get an offer in Kabul and you're from Herat, majority of the families won't let their daughter to travel alone by themselves unless there's a male person with you going. But then also like if, Saudi Arabia. Exactly. Um, it, but I mean, um, for Saudi Arabia, I think it's more like more strict for girls. I mean, in the city, you can go travel, but outside, it's a little bit more. Right. And the concerns are mainly because of the security. If you want to take uh, the ground, there must be a, there might be a threat of Taliban. So you don't want to risk your life. And then there's something is culture thing. If you want to go to the other city and live, um, it's not like here that you can live either by yourself or have a roommate. Uh, you have to have a trusted family members to live with them. Right. So that issues make you stuck in your hometown and can't be traveling or be mobile. You know, I mean, it's just a, such a completely different culture. Um, and like you, I mean, you've come here four years ago. You put in your application. And so until that goes through, you can't go back because then you can't get back again. Right. You've been building this nonprofit while you've been in the United States. Yes. And which is why you've talked to two TED Talks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and talk about the impact that you've been making. Sure. Um, so we opened the first uh, coding school on November 2015. Um, we started with 50 girls. Uh, we took an entrance exam from about 120 applicants. It was mainly an English and computer literacy exam. And we picked the top 50. We have two groups of students. One is high school students, which the mission with them is more education. Mm -hmm. Just teach them how to code, have fun. And then uh, later when they graduate from our coding school, they would be more willing to go to computer science college. So with this, we try to spread the word and increase the number of women in STEM and especially in computer science. And then the other category are computer science students. As we we're talking that they are the one that are uh, facing the uh, backlashes from the community in case of finding employment opportunities. So what we try to do with them is we offer certain curriculums that through that curriculum, we try to find companies, organizations, or individuals who can outsource projects to them so that they stay in the safety of their own house or in our coding school, use their laptops and internet and do the projects online and get paid online. Um, so um, so that's kind of how we started. So uh, last year in March, we also offered a graphic design class because we noticed a lot of our girls, uh, they do amazing work in coding, but they lack graphic and design skills. Um, and that's why we, um, we proposed that class. And we got actually another extra 20 girls from art faculty coming to help our students as well. And um, this year, actually, just one month ago, 
or we are in the process of expanding our coding school. So we actually um, uh, registered another 80 girls in our coding school for mobile application class Unity, which is now more gaming and VR and uh, full stack development class. So in a total now, we have about 120 students coming to our school every day. That's pretty amazing. And where do you want, where do you see this going? And I'm sure there must be a long tail in terms of other girls talking to other girls, talking to other girls. Exactly. Um, well, unfortunately, I can say because it's an arm for profit, you you rely on a lot of uh, donations and support. Mm-hmm. So, if we could, if we can get to that um, level of securing enough fund that we can expand the school in other cities of Afghanistan, um, that would be the next step for us to open another coding school either in Mazar, in Kabul, or any cities that can support it. But I'm um, talking about Herat at the moment. Um, we every year we want to have another group of students coming to our school, and um, the next um, thing for us is that we because we believe in giving back to the community. So through that mobile applications and gaming, we are actually working on some real use case scenarios that the girls are developing application and games so that we can give it to the community and they can use it. It targets a specific problems in the community. Which is great because then they can see that these girls actually did it for them. Exactly. And That's who, the point. That is the point. So who's your champions over there that are helping you execute on this because you're here? Sure. Um, so definitely, yeah, um, it, it's it's for me, it's very fascinating to see that like, You don't have to be physically somewhere to make a change by the technology and the internet and everything. I did everything online from fundraising, recruiting, um, opening the school. But then on the ground, um, I was also uh, fortunate enough to have the people who I trusted and they helped me from the very first day. So I have a project manager and five mentors that they teach the students. And majority of them were my former students in a computer science faculty. Which is amazing. Yes. And is your family being supportive of this over there? They are. I mean, if it wouldn't, for them, I wouldn't be able to come here and do what I want here. So I definitely, um, um, I, I definitely was fortunate to have the support of my family in a country like Afghanistan. Right. And so hopefully you'll get your status yes. sooner than later. And you'll be able to go back and see your family yes. and go back and see what you've built. Yes. <laughs> but I think what you're doing is super cool. Um, very entrepreneurial. And you're making a difference in a country and you're affecting all these women's lives um, that have that have the brains and the, and the smarts to become computer science majors and make an impact. But without the jobs, I mean, without education, to me, education is the key to solving all problems. And so you're giving them this opportunity to take their education and put money on their plate. So, you know, for anyone out there who wants to give to your organization, we're going to give you the URL and what have you now. Thank you. Well, thanks for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Sure. Our thanks to Fareshta for joining us this week and telling us about her mission. You can find out more about Code to Inspire by visiting codetoinspire.org. And if you are inspired by what she has done, feel free to write her a check and make a donation. Thanks to all of you listeners for joining us this week. Stay up to date with Positively Gotham Gal. We will see you next week.